what if? What if the struggle isn't real? What if everything you've been told is impossible is actually deliciously feasible? What if you could work anywhere, travel, find your purpose, all while growing your wealth and not spending it? Welcome to the Struggle Isn't Real podcast. I'm Cody Sanchez-Baker, and, and my job here is to share how normal people have self-designed their lives, relationships, jobs, and bodies. The question to ask yourself is simply this. What if it was easy? Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have you here with me today because this episode, it's a personal one for me, really. Um, you see, almost a year ago, I walked into a crowded, cramped little cabin of a cruise ship for Summit at Sea. Uh, which people described as sort of young entrepreneurial invite only version of, I don't know, Davos and Burning Man all in one. And, and in that little tiny room, I stumbled upon a absolutely shining ball of energy inside a tiny little body. Uh, And that little ball of energy was Nitha. Um, Nitha's a best-selling author of Emotional Grit, a PhD in psychology and medicine, an international speaker, spoken at the likes of Google and Facebook, and and with her life partner, Ajit, um, actually has a, a similar conference to Summit called A-Fest. And, and she really specializes in helping leaders develop emotional intelligence, or as she calls it, emotional grit. Um, but you see, even though... Nita is all of these things, which are very impressive, and she's renowned for them. Um, we get we get personal on this because when I walked into that room not so long ago, just about a year ago, um, I opened up to her about some of the things that I was personally going through. Um, you see, she, like so many of us, had to go through real trial to achieve any sort of success or greatness. And she talks about her first marriage to an abusive spouse, to living in her car, to leaving it all behind to start afresh, to pushing past cultural norms as a self-identified brown girl. And, And I needed this conversation with her at the moment that she stumbled into my life. And it turns out that she's accumulated this little ragamuffin crew of humans like me around the world who have needed her at similar times too. And so while we get into lots of tactics and tools, I would just say that she was a key trigger and drive in my life at a time when I didn't know that I needed it. It turns out I did. And so I hope that you allow her to trigger you too. I think she just might if you let her. All right, my lovely animals. I'm so excited to have actually somebody that stumbled into my life um, at just an ideal moment for me, self selfishly, at Summit at Sea, which we've talked about a lot before. Uh, and this is Nisha Bushin. And so I want to just say, first of all, Nisha, hello from you're in Barcelona today, right? I am. I am, Cody. Thanks so much for having me on. Hello, animals, as you guys are called, or loves, loves as I would like to call you too. Um, yeah, I'm here in Barca for the next two weeks, you know, as, as global nomadic traveler. I love it. Well, that's another uh, alignment we have, I think. So, you know, you heard kind of Misha's mini projects, like a little bit about her journey. Um, let me just say a little bit because I 
think that it's much more extensive than even I know at this point. But, but Nisha, I kind of wanted to dive right in because, you know, before this call, so I'm sitting here in Dallas with my coffee and, and Nisha's in Europe, um, you know, at her co-working space after just finishing um, something that we talked about, I guess, more than a year ago now, which is A-Fest and, um, and now working on new projects with with your significant other and so i'd love to just like have you explain to people two things one i love this global nomadic traveler um (laughs) term you just used like wrap that in a lens of like talk to me about a fest and talk to me about you know this community and like kind of tribe of loves as you say you have globally Wow. Yes. So I think, you know, the, for, well, as, as you know, Cody, I'm an executive uh, leadership coach and that's kind of how, you know, we bumped heads together at Summit at Sea, which is another platform for a lot of uh, global entrepreneurs. And I mean, you you know, thinking that after I uh, launched my uh, bestselling book, uh, which ranked number one on Amazon for, you know, leadership development and behavioral psychology and all of that. And really it was a book for leaders, uh, written for leaders. I had, you know, traveled to about 45 different countries and I interviewed about 500 different, uh, leaders, Titans, um, heroes from different walks of life. And, um, and really to talk about and have a greater understanding on what emotional leadership is and what I found uh, during that process was a um, you know the women wanted to actually talk about something that's number one and b uh, how important community was to thrive which is why obviously uh, you know someone at sea has always been you know a huge staple of importance and um, you know one of the other founders actually of, of this beautiful like twice a year uh, event called a fest which is a smaller version of summit at sea but um, it brings together entrepreneurs thought leaders speakers um, authors from different parts of the world uh, to different tropical locations where you have TED style talks and, uh, you know, enormous glamorous parties. And, uh, and my, of course my love partner is one of the co-founders actually of this amazing organization. And we're here, uh, for the first time because they're, um, their biggest, I guess you can say, uh, goal is to redefine what education looks like. And so, um, bringing together a group of a hundred of us uh, that are part of this AFEST uh, or I guess um, Mind Valley Tribe uh, for a month together to kind of grow and learn different leadership skills, personal development, uh, fitness hacks, things like that, but really to play together, to work together, to live together and kind of in a community. And so as we know, when we're starting things out, whether we're in business or whether even it's if it's relationships, um, whether you're single or transition or you have a partner, um, you know, being able to thrive in those aspects of your life by yourself kind of is hard. Uh, but when you have, you know, a group of people around you that is, you know, constantly doing the same thing. Actually, it's funny, you know, Cody, you'd like this. There's a, a group for, for the little kids, for the, for the kids, uh, the children of, um, you know, the attendees of, of Mind Value, And um, the kids now, these kids, they, they break them up 
from like, I don't know, less than eight and then over eight years old. But a lot of these kids, they're from, they're already from 10 different countries. They're comprised of 10 different countries. And it's just been like the third day. And these kids are talking about, well, yeah, yeah, usually I'm the outcast because my parents travel a lot, but here, you know, it's normal. So that's been some of the feedback just with the kids itself. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, but even to think that uh, for a lot of people, if they are in transition or if they are still in corporate wanting to go out, you know, entrepreneurially, um, this is like a big if you think about it, almost like an ecosystem or, um, in some ways, an incubator for, you know, bridging some of those relationships. And that's how a lot of, um, business is actually built. And I actually met, um, my love, uh, four years ago at, uh, at an A-Fest actually. Uh, so, and then we just had our first workshop together that we talked about how we work, play and slay, uh, together. Cause he does business strategy and I kind of work a lot with like, um, the leadership aspects and bits. Um, so it's been a nice kind of yin and yang. Um, yeah, that's brought us here. And oh, I love it. Well, I want to link <laughs> yeah. to A-Fest and some of the pictures because the ceremony that you guys just had, for example, oh my gosh. Yes. I forgot to say that. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm want to really dive into two, like two things. This is, I have other questions that we're going to get into too, but you just stimulated my mind in such a way because, um, you, you were saying about, you know, these kids feeling like outcasts and not having this traditional lifestyle. And, you know, uh, you know me, I, I travel pretty much nonstop and I just can't imagine a life lived within a white picket fence in a summer. I know. I know. Yes. You know when you just said that, like I'm just getting chills down my body because I mean that I used to be that. And I feel like, you know, it's a some degree, you, you know, you were kind of um in that way as well. And yes. I just think that like you know, we we are taught, especially if you're you're multicultural. I mean I come from, you know, the Asian uh, family, tiger parent style upbringing, you know, Filipino mother, Indian, traditional Indian father. And that was the goal. The goal was to, you know, instill those values in you so that you are planted, you are grounded and you are in one spot. Um, and you're supposed to have, you know, all of these children and, uh, and then kind of happily ever, ever after, but then, you know, where's the, where's the growth, where's the uncertainty or the spontaneity of life, where's the spice, where is all of that? And then you start to see some of these relationships begin to break down because you think that, you know, in this traditional world, we're working for what the, the, you know, the twice a year vacations, the traditional like country club you know, to, to talk about or to boast about and, um, where are some of the ideas that we have in life that makes us really come alive. And I feel like a lot of times I know for myself, speaking for myself in my own experience, but, um, you, there's this sense of this spiritual death, like you're, you're spiritually dead, uh, when you're chasing a lot of the, the things that we are quote unquote supposed to chase, um, to live that traditional conventional, you know, life and, um, speaking and, and mentoring and of course, course coaching, uh, some of the most brilliant minds around the world, you see when they've attained a certain level of that success, what is really a lot of time missing is just like, okay, the purpose, why am I doing this again? What is this for? They think they have this number in their heads that they have to be successful. But then at the end of the day, you know, when they've reached, you know, that first million or whatever, then they're kind of like, well, what, what is this? You know, you don't realize then your relationships 
um, count or the experiences and the moments that you have actually count way, way more than, you know, the annual barbecue party or the, the, you know, the block party that you have or the, the twice a year vacation. So the same spots over and over because it's mundane. And as human beings, you know, we're more stimulated than ever before. Um, I'm reading this amazing book called, uh, uh, stealing fire. I don't know if you've read it. No. You might love it, Cody. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's by Stephen Cutler and how we are, you know, doing a lot of these different types of altered state experiences, you know, uh, movie theaters to just create different experiences so that we can feel again or to elicit a different response. So that's the kind of economy that we're in now and, you know, travel and being in a community or, you know, doing some of these events like Summit at Sea or like AFES are just one of those ways to evoke that, um, to constantly, um, you know, keep us on the edge of who we're really, you know, meant to be and how we're meant to evolve. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think I got the reciprocal chills there because I don't know if I've ever said this quote unquote publicly before. When I met Nisha, I kind of got thrown into Summit at Sea by a girlfriend here in, in Dallas who ended up not being able to, to come on the trip. And so last minute, I, um, totally out of my comfort zone, I, you know, get into this tiny little micro box cabin on a cruise ship, which I haven't been on for, I don't know, the better part of five years. <laughs> and, You're like, wait, why am I going on this again? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is happening? Um, this is why I work is to make money and not have to share a room with two strangers. But right. it turns, right. out, it turns out it's, it's you and Catherine, uh, who I should have on here eventually too, to talk about mental health. She's an incredible human also. Yes, and yes. in the room one day, for some reason, I, I tell, you know, two kind of strangers at this point, I'm, I'm contemplating divorce and now I am divorced and, and that's all out there. Um, but you told me a little bit of your story, Nisha. And like, you know, just cosmic. I remember you saying, uh, well, Cody, you have manifested two divorced women in your room. <laughs> and we, kind of laughing about that. As I'm, I'm super happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm amidst my struggle. But um, your story just like, it touched me because right now, I think for people listening, you know, you'll, you'll see pictures of her. She's, you know, Nisha's beautiful. She has this amazing, you know, love in her life. She's created all these things, uh, has an incredible book, you know, this huge community. And I think people can look at you and say, wow, she just, you know, she has it all. She's so lucky. But the story is a little bit more complex than that. So I'd love like whatever you'd feel comfortable sharing about, about your story in particular, like leaving behind the white picket fence. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, it's, wow. It's, it's now it's been like six years, but you know, I think meeting you, at, uh, you know, at Summit at Sea and kind of just knowing, which is why I, I literally dropped the book in your bag because I'm like, oh, I know she's going here. And uh, with a tiny little note and I'm like, oh, okay, this is because I think it, you know, it takes one to know one. And um, for those of you who are in that space of either, you know, helping others or, or being or, or being able to see that um, as an entrepreneur, a leader, if you have a team, a family, things like that, uh, if you've experienced a lot of these things, um, you are more in tune with picking that up and others. And so, yeah, I mean, it's so the journey kind of started like 
six years ago. And, um, you know, it's, I was a cosmetic dentist, actually. I was in a very traditional field, um, you know, the peak of my success in every single aspect. And I had just, I had big fat Indian wedding and, you know, all the bells and whistles of having all of these accolades and achievements on the outside. And yes, everyone would always think, you know, this is, you're the ideal couple or the ideal streams of perfection because you have two doctors getting together. You know, this whatever six-story gigantic home in the city that was got rehabbed, all of these things going to, you know, first-class travel and, and all these things. But no one ever knew that uh, I was really living this like absolute wicked deep lie. And it was a lie that, you know, I, I really was at this crossroads. Perhaps maybe it's like, you know, Saturn... <laughs> the the Saturn uh, rising or whatever that they call that. Um, But uh, where I was almost at a crossroads of, okay, I've I've reached in my heart every single aspect of what I called successful before 30. And uh, I had lost basically my family before I was, uh, before I was 20, Uh, my mom, my dad, my brother. Um, And so this was kind of in a way, you know, 10 years later, I, I got married, I became a, you know, a cosmetic dentist. My practice was doing a million dollar plus. I had a whole team of, um, you know, doctor surgeons, um, that, uh, were kind of doing things for me while I was traveling around the world. And little did people know that I was literally living this lie of uh, being in an abusive uh, marriage. And so, you know, and, and that took a while for me to realize, and actually just like you, just like the intervention with you, Cody, it was one of my girlfriends, uh, we were out at some club, uh, you know, dancing our sorrows or, or uh, distracting our sorrows away. But we were in the bathroom and, and she asked me, uh, perhaps because she had grown up with it. Um, and she didn't even ask me blatantly. She just said, uh, are you happy? And, and the next thing she asked was, you know, how long are you going to shove things under a rug? You can choose to leave or you can choose to stay. And she knew exactly what I was thinking. And so it was, it was at that moment where it just catalyzed everything. I mean, um, you know, the, me kind of living in my lavish, uh, X five, um, (laughs) BMW for like three months almost, uh, because I, I, I literally made the decision on December 31st to leave this picture perfect life, um, to leave in the middle of the night because I was, um, I was threatened. uh, My life was threatened. Um, not only that, my life, but my brother, who is my only living, you know, relative left, he was, his life was also threatened. So those are some really, really dark times. And I think out of that birthed just this liberation of like, oh my gosh, I'm not living, you know, for anyone else anymore. I'm not living to please my, the ghosts of my parents or the, um, this, you know, ideal essence or this ideal image of what society wants, you know, Nitha to be. And, you know, does Nitha have to please everybody? And so it, it took a lot. I, I definitely went into obviously a big, you know, dose of, of, of depression. And uh, I remember calling my medical friends who I'm like, okay, can you just prescribe me something? And they're like, Nitha, you have undergone so much loss and pain over this past decade. You need to feel this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the first time where I was like, actually, you're right. I was, 
holding up this like perfect face, this perfect life, thinking that I had to be the warrior, that I had to be this like, you know, strength of armor for my family, for everything. And that's a fucking hell ton of pressure, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to keep up this image. And I just let myself fall completely apart. Um, I didn't care about anything. And at that time, you know, when you don't care about something, your practice even grows even more. So, and I just, I mean, you know, the money was great. All of these things were great, but I just literally wanted to go uh, to the mountains or to Asia and to literally hide or to just focus on me. Cause it was always focusing on the success, the accolades, climbing up the ladder, like all of these things just kept you so busy. And I was never really um, able to feel or experience. Um, and so that was just that, you know, the pivotal point. And, and of course, in the years to come, you know, uh, left uh, the traditional career, you know, sold the practice, started six different ventures, including a nonprofit, which I turned into a foundation, um, you know, started to invest in women, you know, started to mentor a bunch of different, uh, you know, women's organizations and a lot of professional women, because I think, you know, as you are also in that space as well, we think that, you know, we are writing this sort of a lifestyle for something, maybe it's society, family, whatever the pressure is, we don't really realize what we're actually doing it for. Mm-hmm. And, and you just, once you have that aha moment, you're like, I want more of this shit. So, I mean, in those deep, dark times, that's where I got, you know, started getting more creative. I started writing a ton, just letting it all out because it was almost like this, you know, pent up bottle that basically the cork just busted open and all of this amazing magic was oozing out of it that's been held back because she was trying to be the perfect everything for every single person. And it was just the messy, unapologetic, uncapped craziness that just started to explode in so many different ways where I'm like, all right, let's do, you know, let's just do everything. So it landed me to actually Silicon Valley. And I moved out to the West coast, sold my business in in those years. So, um, retired from the profession and of course, uh, then started working with, um, uh, the leaders and startup folks in, in the Valley. And really my, my biggest, um, I think the biggest aha moment was really understanding, wow, okay. Emotions and how we um, how we're able to suppress them or distract ourselves from feeling them. And mind you, after losing my family and even going through this, you know, being in this tumultuous space, marriage, um, time of my life, that's when I started to kind of connect all the dots with my life of just saying, wow, this is really powerful. You know, if we really understand where this is coming from, because I was trained as a psychologist in college, you know, how can we actually utilize that to build better relationships, to really understand how we make our decisions, to not be a victim when these things come up, how to really survive and then even more, um, you know, how to thrive in several different areas of your life. And especially as an entrepreneur, you know, how do we actually have have an ad balance. So, um, and yes, 50 countries later and, um, and, you know, some, some fun messes, failures, uh, failed partnerships and, you know, all sorts of things that you do with starting different business. I mean, I'm super excited to say that it's been all freaking worth the ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm writing down notes as we go through this, cause there were a few things that really popped out to me. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, um, 
I remember, at least from my perspective, reading your book when you did slip it into my bag uh, at Summon, and I wasn't really ready to make that you know decision myself. Um, what you talked about touched me, like the suppressing suppressing of emotions, and I think especially for you know high powered or striving grinding women, and and maybe oh humans gosh, in general. Yes. no, yeah. it's, it's worse with actually it's worse yeah we, <laughs> we we suppress all of this and we have like a little bit of a caretaker syndrome um, yeah. in order to take care of everybody else and then um and then when it comes out it can be a little overwhelming and i i remember you know right when i was going through the end and i'm you know still messy and all over the place frequently um but the 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 waves of emotion and to be frank you know from from goldman sachs and you know georgetown and grinding and all the things that i did i've never been an emotional human i'm very let's get to point a point b rational process oriented which we're going to talk about some of your processes later but i wasn't prepared for that emotions actually do kind of come in these waves. And then, you know, for you, you had this outlet where you were able to write. And for me, I've always written, but I had this like desert where I just, I could, could, couldn't creatively like get through it. And some mm-hmm. of the points in your book really spoke to me. So I guess my question for you in all of this is, you know, when you are training these women, I remember when you first told me about emotional grit, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, I don't know. How does that, mm-hmm. how does that grow my business? Like, is this mm-hmm. you know, emotional? Gr- I don't know if I want to talk about emotions, right? I kind of had this like blockage against, I think you would call it like anything sort of woo woo or, you know, totally. you talked about burning man. And I was like, no way, you know, <laughs> not talking about that. Right. I was, I was very kind of conservative in that way, but totally. talk, talk to me about like, what is, what is the one thing that you've sort of found when you're working with these high powered women and, and leaders, and you're talking to them about their emotions and why it matters. Like, how do you get through to them that one, this is of importance and two, what do they take away or what do you most often find is like their breakthrough? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times leaders, uh, even, even yourself, um, which it's, it's really interesting. They'll deflect and, you know, they'll deflect. And of course, like you said, distract because there's so many other things that are way more important, quote unquote. Um, but those things that are way more important, the more that we suppress them, um, you know, just the greater and greater and greater that, um, you know, that, that space tends to fill up. And then of course we blow up. So the classic example, of course, is like the anger management, you know, what I call, I I gave a talk at Google like a few months ago and, you know, we were talking about four different avatars of humans that you'll actually encounter and how they'll really push your buttons in the workplace. And empathy is one of the key characteristics. I talk about, you know, empathy-based leadership a lot, uh, especially in the corporate world, if they're not ready to, to hear about, you know, ma- mastering your emotions or really understanding where they come from. But I, th- I would have to say, really, it's, there's, you know, you, you become repressive, Charlie, in that instance, right? Repressive Charlie is, you know, you're, um, if we give the classic anger management example, you know, super cool, super calm, super calm until one day he fucking blows up, blows up in your face and just can't take it anymore. You know, he's like the pushover. He's the one that you can kind of give him all your tasks and he'll get them done and will ever say anything. That is just a classic example of just the, the repressed emotions. The second example I wanted to give was, you know, the fact that we are, let me just, let me just add 
to go back to what you were saying about with high powered women and how we actually tend to suppress this. The biggest breakthrough I'd have to say would be the awareness because awareness is the first step. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to really understand where it comes from, but just aware and saying, oh shit, that feels kind of not so nice. I'm going to actually have that chocolate cake anyways, or, Hmm. Okay. This is, this is coming up right now, but I know I've got like a hundred things that I have to get done in the four different decks that I have to do and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and as women, we're so keen to just shelf that and you're, you're just going to compartmentalize it and just say, Nope, I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, in turn, it manifests in different ways. We distract by, you know, going out and drinking retail therapy, drugs, even sex. I mean, um, uh, busyness. So a lot of women will bury themselves in work, uh, to not elicit these types of emotions. But I would have to say when you're, when, and it's just a very simple question, Hey, how, how is everything going? Really being able to take a deep breath. And I say three heart math Institute does this, um, as it's been doing this research for, for years and years that uh, when we breathe, literally put our hands, put our left and right hands over our heart and really take three deep breaths. We turn off the pathways in our mind of, um, of uh, you know, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic system. Sympathetic is where we're going, 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 and we're, you're, we're just about to go to war. Um, but the parasympathetic really makes us calm down. And really, that's when we actually are able to say, huh okay, I am feeling this way. This kind of stinks. I'm going to go back to my work anyways. Um, so if I can actually get that way with just with, with people, which is, um, it's very, it's fairly easy to do. It's really shutting off that, uh, you know, their, their go, go, go-ness into a state of really just being able to be present. Um, and presence is one of the key characteristics of, you know, really being able to thrive, um, and be revolutionary. I kind of coined this a lot. I also have a podcast that's, you know, revolutionary podcast, but really talking about how to actually just be, um, that's when we can allow ourselves to feel instead of numb. But like, this is something that I'm fascinated by lately, which is, you know, for the people listening, when we're talking about sort of these two pivotal points and, and maybe multiple pivotal points we had in our lives that took us from what you talked about as sort of the mundane, the normal, the spiritual death inside, um, but the outside sort of facade. Um, I'm fascinated by why so many of us stay in there for life, by why so many of us know that we are not doing the thing that we were put here on this planet to do. Um, we're not following sort of that inner, inner self in us. And, and we choose to kind of stay in it anyways. And so I'm wondering, like, if there are people out there listening that are listening to this and thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm in that, but I'm scared or I'm uncertain or I'm whatever the case may be. Why do you think so many people stay, even if they think perhaps that they only have one life to live? Um, and, and how do you, is there a trigger or a question that you start getting them to think maybe it is possible to be a global nomadic traveler if I want to, to have a love partner that's like so profound that like when you guys see the pictures of the two of them, that's, you know, <laughs> like it, it, who knows every relationship on the inside is I'm sure messy and complex, but at least there's like a realness and uh, you know, it's out there with you both, which I so 
respect. What do you, why do people stay in things that aren't true? And how do you start the trigger of thinking that they don't have to? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great question. I'm going to kind of break up your question into two parts. And, you know, the first one, why do people stay? I think it's, it's very simple. There's, um, you know, with a lot of the research that I did, basically there's, you know, 29 different types of patterns, um, across six areas of our life. And, um, even, even going further in depth with that, uh, there are about six, there's more than six, but there are about six main desires that every human has and the desire to belong and the desire to be appreciated and acknowledged. These are huge. And if we have these as our main, and I'm just giving you a few examples, but if we have belonging as our main, main desire, then no matter what we do, no matter what actually happens to us in our lives, personally, professionally, um, emotionally, however we're triggered, we will still want to belong. We will still want to stay. And that's just, we're talking about desires. Now, if we're talking about your basic needs, your basic human needs, um, going by, you know, of course, Abraham Maslow and, you know, there are a bunch of people that actually have been talking about this, but, um, if your biggest need is comfort, which is, if you remember from psychology class, you know, that was like your food, shelter, safety, and you are actually safe. That was like, that's like the base of this pyramid where the top is, you know, your growth or contribution to the world. Um, and only, you know, a select few actually get there. If you are stuck with your basic desire being you want to belong, then you will go with the status quo. You will not want to disrupt that. That will be fucking scary for you. Now, at the same time, if your basic need is the idea that you need to feel safe, you need to feel secure, meaning financially stable, financially secure, then guess what? That's, you're talking about a ticking time bomb because you will, those things will trump your happiness. Those, those things will trump your fulfillment. And, um, you know, this is kind of the, the, the initial work that's done. I don't care if you're a fortune 100, uh, CEO, or if you are, um, you know, transitioning mother of two, um, it's the same basics because as humans, we have needs, we have desires. And it's really up to you to, 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 to say, Hey, you know, what, what is this blueprint that you want to create? That's number one. And, um, you know, most people they're constantly chasing instead of really being able to think or to, um, reflect and see, okay, how have I been living my life up until this point. It's so easy for us to do it in business because business it's, there's a straight strategy for it. And, uh-huh. you know, you asked me about, Oh, you know, like relationships and how my partner and I, uh, cause we just gave this talk, um, earlier, but how my partner and I have, have been able to kind of, you know, do life together in this way and, and really do it in, in this organic, authentic way. This, cause we're both, we've both been divorced. We've both been in, you know, kind of public eye sorts of, um, marriages. And this time we literally wanted to do something different and different in the sense of it comes when you're, you know, 
you're actually being able to, hey, be aware, A, of your own emotions, right? So that's the first one. But secondly, what is it that you, what is your biggest desire? What's your biggest need? And for us, not only have we been able to create strategies and processes to figure that out, um, especially if you are, you know, kind of thinking about working together with your mate or even attracting that person um, and how profound it is to kind of have that actual communication to really understand what the needs of the other person is. Now, I don't care if you're doing this with a co-founder, this is the same thing that you can do with their co-founder, but really being able to understand, um, you know, how that co-founder, that partner in whatever sense of the word, that best friend, how their needs are getting met and what their biggest desires are. And if you are ready or not ready to take that leap of whatever it is that you desire in most people, because safety is that big base of that triangle, they won't go up to the next biggest need, which is uncertainty. You know, we kind of want the two complexities and two dichotomies of life. You know, we want the safe and secure, but we also want the play and the fun, the spice, the spontaneity of life, which is why so many people kind of, you know, in this day and age, we, we, our relationships kind of, you know, physical and things like that, because we want just different things. Um, so yeah, I can keep going on our tangent about that, but no, it's beautiful. And, and I want to like kind of get specific too, because some of that is, is really profound, I think in relationships and, and I'm starting to realize that more and more, um, you know, you and I talked about this before, but, um, in, in my business, for example, and in the two businesses that I have, I have one partner in it and she's, you know, I joke about her being my work wife, but she is everything that I'm not in a lot of ways. She is, you know, very organized and operational and, you know, and cool as a cucumber. She just has a perma smile on and it's real, you know, and, and, and I am, you know, over here like, hello, like what's going on? What are we going to do next? You know, like big, huge ideas. And she's like, okay, here's the processes to break down how we're going to do this, how we're going to execute. And so together the two of us work really well, but we have all these practices in place to sort of make sure that that's happening. And so, you know, in, in my business, that's that we have, you know, this 30 minute call each week and, and it's a walking or standing call. And so we're not all sitting down, but we're standing up and it's visual. So we can all see each other on video conference. We're across three time zones. Um, there's locations, uh, and we're very visual, you know, we use whiteboards and we listen to a Ted talk beforehand. And so like, we kind of have these processes to stimulate, I think, hopefully creativity to also allow for, for somebody else in the conversation to be the star. Um, because, you know, sometimes if you have powerful personalities like mine, it can be, (laughs) yeah. Um, and so, so that's how we've created it. But in relationships, you know, what do you do to actually get to know his desires? Do you guys have like fun practices, weekly things you do, um, you know, Evernote groups, whiteboard deals? How, how do you put into practice this oh, yes. together? Yeah. So there's, there's quite a few things actually that, um, that we do. And we actually just started this about, I'd want to say like, uh, maybe at the end of the year. So, so about six months ago, and, um, obviously I've been doing it with, you know, my own, 
my own teams in several different capacities and of course with my own clients, but, you know, really being able to nail it down from a relationship standpoint. And it's the same process that you could actually use, uh, when you're bringing in any team member employee, or even, uh, you know, if you're trying to kind of date and speed date, uh, co-founders um, or other business ventures and business partnerships. And that's kind of what we do with everyone now. But, um, you know, the first thing is to really, Oh, one second. But yeah, so it's, um, I think the first thing is really to carve out time. So looking at your calendar and blocking out days and which what I love, cause I mean, the same thing that you said between whiteboards, any sort of motivation, any sort of, um, inspiration, any sort of creative elements, uh, we actually do a deep dive or our own retreats four times a year. We literally started doing this. I mean, the second we met each other check-ins for our personal relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have our weekly meetings and those two are separate. So for those of you who actually work together with the partner, um, or maybe with your roommate or whatever the case is, you want to keep those relationships separate because, um, you know, obviously those things can get tangled. And if you actually are listening to this and you even have children, it becomes even more complicated, um, you know, as you start growing your family. So those, but you know, the biggest thing is being able to dive in, um, and almost create this like vision board of, of a, your relationship together. So if you are co-creating with another person, what is it that, you know, what are your needs, you know, that you need to thrive in that partnership in that business partnership together? And what is it that you really want? You know, do you want to write a book? Do you want to, I don't know, make a million dollars? Do you want to be on the cover of um, Inc.? Or fortune. And if their the partner wants to do that, well, okay, you know, there could be a little bit of a conflict because um, can both of you actually do it at the same time? Or, you know, is there a way to make those needs and desires and goals work out um, for the two of you in whatever time frame? Does that make sense? Yeah, so, perfect. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, lastly, being able to check in. So let's just say you have your, we just had our quarter, our quarter two, basically our deep dive. So in that, um, we go over, okay, obviously the, the minor goals, the things we want to kind of focus on are our intentions for those three months. And for us, because we travel a lot, we both speak a lot. We both are running multiple different projects. Um, so efficiency and, um, you know, productivity is huge. And then of course, um, in, in being able to say, okay, if this is a season or if this is the next few months where you actually are going to travel and not really be up on, um, you know, social media or things like that, are there different ways where you actually can offload it to your team members? So having that clear communication and knowing what each other's strengths and weaknesses are, this is, I'll just give this last example, uh, you know, this one client, they were looking to start another branch of their arm of their business. They're, they want to do at the end of the year, eight figures. And uh, basically, you know, what we actually kind of help them go ahead and do between these co-founders who are not married um, was essentially say, okay, what are the things that need to be in place? And they 
They've been working together for three and a half years. Never once did they even figure out what each other's strengths or weaknesses were. They were just kind of haphazardly doing this together. But something was going right because they were able to create this incredible business, um, you know, digitally. And so the, the biggest things that you can do with other, whether it's your love partner, uh, business partner, or co-founder in whatever way is spend the time to, I always say, get into those initial fights because, mm. um, once you start to realize what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you really want to, you know, not, Oh, I want to, you know, I want to be servicing clients. No, no, no. Like your biggest dreams, aspirations, and goals, because if your partner wants that as well how can you actually fit both of that so that both of you can shine in the ways that you you know would like to and then that really builds the foundation of what you want to co-create together in whatever aspect family life business um yeah i love it well i know we want to wrap up here so i just have two questions that are rapid fire that you can ask and before we get to those um also tell me where is the best place for everybody to find you and And tell me about the, um, if people can't touch you in person because you're running around the world, you have some online ways to sort of have the same experience I had when I was lucky enough to share a tiny shoebox with you at Summit. (laughs) So if you could tell them where they find those too. (laughs) It was a lovely shoebox for four days. Um, Yeah, no, you can, you can go to neethabushan.com. So N-double-E-T-A Bushan, B-H-U-S-H-A-N.com. There's a whole bunch of amazing goodness and uh, we do run up a podcast um, called Revolutionary where we go into you know the lifestyles of different revolutionary badasses around the world and so so that's to if you wanted to grab the emotional grit book it's on there as well as um facebook is the best platform to get a hold of tips tricks tools videos um and of course you know lifestyle stuff with my boo and i Mm -hmm. um but lastly you know with everything that we've been talking about as far as um you know really being able to understand your needs and desires i created this global online uh program called boundless and that you can also get on the site and um that is very profound for anybody that is working to kind of, um, you know, break free or take the leap into entrepreneurship. And a lot of times this is the stuff that we just don't get in school. And it's really uh, a deeper version of kind of recreating some of those 29 patterns that we have in the six areas of life that it's very difficult to sometimes create our boundaries or set our boundaries, whether it's our bosses, um, whether it's attracting the right partner or even, um, you know, sustaining ourselves in uh, what we truly want. So that's that. Oh, I couldn't love it more. Well, how about this? Let's leave everybody listening with one thing, which is what question do you wish that every human would ask themselves and maybe those listening today could take this with them? Mm, Yes, I would say, is this all worth it? Mm. Is what you are doing, is it all worth it? I love it. Very simple. simple. But sometimes the simplest things are the most important. Um, Exactly. Eva, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to link uh, your book, your website, some of the tools and resources that you talked about, as well as where people can find you. Um, but I can't tell you how much this stimulated my day. So thank you. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much goodness. So much goodness. Can't wait to do it again.